0: Cheers. (laughs) Once a month, uh, Roe and I want to preach together, and we want to talk about um, marriage. And for some reason, the um, mission statement is just proudly up there on the screen. Um, But we want to talk on marriage once a month. We want to share about our own experiences, but primarily we want to share about the Word of God and what Scripture has to say about marriage. And um, so this is that time... Of the month. It <laughs> sounds wrong. This <laughs> um, <laughs> is that time of the month where we share about marriage. Um, and uh, uh, we, 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 we really believe in the power of marriage. And, and so we're working through a book called The Meaning of Marriage. And this is by T- Dr. Timothy Keller. And um, it's a great book. I'd recommend it to any married couples here. But really, even beyond married couples, if you're single, uh, divorced, widowed, um, the Bible has a lot to say about marriage. Um, and the Bible is not just written to married people. So it is applicable to all of us. It's applicable to our lives today, whether uh, wh- whatever stage of life you are in. And so we hope that this message is also applicable to each and every one of you today. And uh, as we dig into God's Word, let's, let's open up the Bible to Ephesians um, chapter 5. We're going to look at the classic Ephesians chapter 5 passage. And uh, we're going to start on verse 22. We're going to read that together. This is a bit high for the couch. I think I'm going to have to,
1: it's you know, too high. It's not that you're too short, honey. It's that it's too high. The
0: couch. It's the couch. It's the couch. We want to thank Mark and Blue for loaning us their couch for the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had we had uncomfortable chairs last time, so this is this is way way better. All right, let's go ahead and read Ephesians five, uh, verse twenty-two. And if you've been to a wedding, you've probably heard this passage. Uh, starts off with wives submit to your own. Oh, boy. Are we supposed to be starting in verse 22? Uh, okay. Uh, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Amen. For the husband is the head. <laughs> service. <is> the head. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'm going to take him an altar call right there. Um, this is such a funny passage because it's so it's been so misused, which is why as soon as I read that, you start thinking that you know what it means. Um, because it's been so misused. And so we really hope to look at Scripture in the light of Scripture, not in the light of our culture. So um, anyway, yeah, so we will, we will, we'll definitely get to that. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Uh, go on to verse... 25 husbands love your wives that word there is agape husbands love your wives just as christ also loved the church and gave himself for her um just in case husbands in case you're wondering what that kind of love is uh he paints a picture for you it's called crucifixion (laughs) it is that's what he's talking about the christ loved the church and gave himself died on the cross for her Uh, so uh yeah 26 that he might and this is the purpose of his love that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy everybody say holy holy Holy, yeah should be holy and without blemish it's Ephesians five twenty two 22-27. Let's open up in prayer. Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word. Um, that Even though our culture changes, uh, your word stays the same. And it's applicable throughout the ages. It's applicable in America. It's applicable in Africa. It, 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 it's applicable in China. Your word stands as, as completely above all of our cultures. Help us learn to tap into your culture. Help us to tap into your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen amen all right well that that passage um is is definitely a tricky one to read it's a tricky one to 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 digest and to look at and i think the the as as you read that both the wives submit to your husbands and also the husbands love your wives as christ loved the church i i think as you read that you you start to get the sense that this this marriage thing is hard work in fact um, we, we, were, we were talking about what, what we are going to title this message, and we thought maybe we should title it, Marriage is Impossible. Um, <laughs> last month, our, our, our message was, Marriage is Good. <laughs> this month, Marriage is Impossible. Um, and both of those are true, simultaneously. Um, both of those are true because marriage is impossible, or at least that kind of marriage that Scripture is talking about is impossible because of a little thing called self. Oftentimes, self gets in the way. And if you ever try to have a relationship, not marriage, not only marriage, but any kind of relationship that you might try to have with somebody else, there's always going to be difficulty in that because of a little something called self. And so when Roe and I first started um, dating, uh, we, uh, <laughs> we, we ran into this a few times, um, primarily because we, we, we dated uh, later in life. And so um, our stories we shared last last month is that Um, God called me not to date at all from the time I was 12 until the time I was 23 and so I dated one other girl when I was like 24 um, other than Ro and then she wasn't Ro so I broke up with her and um, we just you know we parted ways and um, and then and then and then I met Ro and uh, we got married I was 26 and you
1: were
0: you were a little bit older and um,
1: (laughs) <laughs> I
0: was trying to figure out how to say that. I hadn't thought through that. Thirty-one
1: is fine, honey. Thirty-one is fine. Yes.
0: Okay. And you're still thirty-one. And how I'm is that? Still how is that, I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> I, it's amazing. Um, and so we 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 uh, we, we 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 wanted to uh, make sure that, that our, 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 our relationship was, was worth it as we were dating. And so uh, we had both had a lot of time in our lives to to become perfect and and that's good on the one hand but on the other hand it's not so good because you have a lot of time to become what you think is perfect and and so naturally when she came to visit um I was working in Louisiana at the time I was working for a ministry there and she was hired on um to that ministry and she came and lived in a shack uh near my shack and and so we were able to to date during that time and to uh, court during that time and so um, She moved in in November, was it? I moved
1: November. in, um, oh, I remember it, because it was the week of Thanksgiving week. And literally, the day I moved in, Harry went off on a two or three day trip with Tommy. And then when he got back, he left to Michigan to go and hang out with his family. I just moved towns. Like, just moved states. Just moved, you know, like a long way. Knew nobody in Louisiana. Had no car. Lived in a shack out in the boondocks. And um, is that an American saying or a New Zealand saying?
0: Boondocks works.
1: Boondocks, perfect. How about in the um, Wally No, I'm just making stuff up now.
0: Uh.
1: Um, <laughs> but I was so mad at him. Oh, I was so mad. And I would go and talk to people. I'd be like, okay, look, am I am I justified in this? Am I justified in this anger? And all my friends, the few friends I had at the, um, at the work there were like, oh, yeah, that was selfish what he did. And he tried to call me a couple of times when he was in Michigan and call me back in Louisiana, and I was like, i don't want to talk to you i'm not sure sure i'm staying here i might just go back to colorado
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i couldn't understand because i always go home for thanksgiving like that's what i do i always go my, my sister's birthday is around that time and it's thanksgiving so you go home for thanksgiving but apparently she thought what what did you think
1: i just i thought that i needed some support moving to a new town
0: so you thought i should stay
1: well you know i did move for you
0: so, so <laughs> I thought you should speak. Okay, all right. <laughs> or take me with you. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a plain ticket.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but what I must say is that the man, I mean... <laughs> he's living in
0: a shack. come on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he grew up in a family that taught him selflessness. So it wasn't a lack of selflessness on Harry's part. Harry's family are the most giving people I've ever met in my life and he grew up I think from the time he came out of his mother's tummy knowing how to be selfless oh, I have had to learn it and I'm still learning it but so it wasn't it was a, it was just that he didn't understand it but after we got married he showed me just how selfless he was <laughs> one of the very many times. We, on our honeymoon, um, we didn't live together before we were married or anything like that. So on our honeymoon, we went to a, a Tennessee and we stayed in a big king bed. Okay, That was fine for the first time I've shared a, a bed with my husband. And and then after our honeymoon, we went back to work at his parents' place and we had to share a very, very little twin bed. Well, <laughs> well, I discovered about myself the things you don't know about yourself. I need to fall asleep in the fetal position. This is how I fall asleep, apparently, with my knees pulled up. And you can't do that in a twin bed with another person that also wants to be able to have some space. So I don't I was, sleep
0: in the fetal position, by the way. <laughs> Clear that <laughs>
1: up. And so I was tossing and turning and trying to get comfortable, and he was like, do you want me to sleep on the floor? I was like, no, I don't want you to sleep on the floor. And he said, okay, what I'll do, and so he laid up against the wall, and he laid perfectly still on his back, like right up against the wall, so I could get into my comfortable position to go to sleep. Uh, <laughs> Very
0: yeah, that's nice. that's And it nice. made up for Thanksgiving. It made up for Thanksgiving. <laughs> but um, yeah, this is one of the huge issues that we find in marriage, is that marriage doesn't um, make us selfish. Marriage reveals the selfishness that we already have. Because it's real easy to be perfect like when you live by yourself. Because when you want to go somewhere, you, you say, self, I think I'm going to go somewhere. And your self says, yes, we should go there. And you say, great, let's go. Now, if somebody says, hey, are you coming to the birthday party on this day? I'm like, oh, let me check with my other self. Because this self says, oh, yeah, heck, yeah, let's do it. And then we need to talk to this self because we need, but, but this, is, this, this is the part that, that helps you reveal how unperfect you are uh, when, you, when, you, when you come into contact with somebody else. And that's where the scripture is so, is so um, pure because it tells us, husbands, love your wives. And that word there is agape. And, and this, this, by the way, is the kind of love that we see in John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he agape uh, that's the original Greek word. He agape, God so agape the world. Uh, agape is the highest form of love. And this is the form of love that we, especially as husbands, but really as, as a married couple, that we are called to. And uh, in the Greek, there are several different words for love. Throughout Scripture, several different words are used. Um, there's one uh, that is referencing, well, uh, the, the word is eros. So that's where we get our word erotic from. And it's referencing that kind of love. And. Uh, uh, marriage, is, marriage is the kind of institution that en- encapsulates several kinds of love. So, it, I mean, eros is good. Don't get me wrong. Eros is great. But it is the lowest form of love because it's the kind of love that, that needs um, and, and gets the most in return. Um, so whenever, uh, whenever I'm feeling eros for Roe... I'm I'm feeling it for her, but I'm also feeling it for myself. You know what I mean. So it's 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 reciprocal. That's the five dollar word there. Requires some reciprocity. Boom, ten dollar word. Um, <laughs> I'm good at scramble. Uh, you know, it's it's one it's one of those things. It's 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 a give and a take. But there's also a take. But that's why it's the lowest form of love. It requires a lot of give and take. But then the next uh, kind of love that the Greeks Talked about was called phileo, and phileo is the Greek word for what is uh, known as friendship. What we would call friendship. It's a it's an attraction. It's an affinity. There's no eros involved. It's it's simply I just like hanging out with you. I like being with you. I I you, we both like some of the same things. Uh, we both like to watch uh, documentaries. We both like. Uh, ice cream, we both, I don't know, there's there's a few things we both like, we both like to go out to eat, we love Cheesecake Factory, come on somebody, Uh, Godiva Cheesecake is just good, Um, and so, you know, there's, friendship can evolve from that, Um, and you have an affinity with somebody, Uh, but still, it's, it's not the highest form of love, because friendship still requires some reciprocity, some give and take, for instance, I could say that I am friends with Michael Jordan, but that would be a lie. I like Michael Jordan, I think he's amazing, changed the game of basketball, but he never returned my fan mail. so we are not friends, you know because there's no breast surprise there's no there's no give and take there at all. It's just me adoring michael Jordan, you know uh that's just kind of the way it goes so a uh, friendship still requires some give and take, but agape is the kind of love that 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 doesn't require any any taking it's simply a giving it's simply. Uh, finds its fulfillment, it finds its reality in, in giving. That's why God so agape, the world, that he gave his only son. So he wasn't looking for something in return. He wasn't looking to get something from us. He was looking to give something to us. That's the kind of love that marriage uh, should be based on. Now, most of the time uh, in our society, in our culture, we start off with eros. So we, So we scan the room to see who we are eros who are feeling some eros for and uh we automatically discount you know some people because they're not quite at the eros level you know and uh you giggling at me. No, it's okay. Okay. So we automatically discount them, cut them out, and then we go talk to the people that we're feeling some eros for to see if there's any possibility for fillet, right? Any friendship there. Like, do you do we like the same things? Uh, do you like ice cream? Do you like Cheesecake Factory? <laughs> Would you like to go to the Cheesecake Factory with me sometime? You know, and then from there we see if that filet or that friendship can kind of blossom into something for a lifetime. And that's actually... Uh, sort of the opposite of a positive way to do it because oftentimes we never really get to agape. We never really learn how to love somebody without seeking something, without getting something. Maybe it's just friendship, but we always want to get something out of this. And so when when God speaks to husbands and says, love your wives, he's not saying eros, he's not saying philo. he's saying agape. He's saying just love her without getting anything in return. That's the kind of love that Jesus has given us, and that's the kind of love that he calls for. And so this is something, honestly, that whether you're married or not, you can practice this right now. This is this is what I encourage teenagers to do. Teenagers, uh, if, you're, if you've are if you got any teens in here, man, learn how to agape your brothers mm-hmm. and your sisters. Yeah. Learn how to how to love them without getting anything in return. Learn how to mm-hmm. agape your parents.
1: You come and sit up at Mobile Church with us at
0: 730. Come on, somebody. Oh, learn just how just to agape minutes. this stage right here. This right. is...
1: They practice, our team practice agape love on you guys this morning as they
0: sit up. It's true. Yeah, Excellent. yeah. They're not getting anything out of. We're not paying them. Um, they're just. They're just. Yeah, that's right, guys. <laughs> 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 we see
1: the, in the yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, <sorry. laughs> checks in the mail. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. Checks in the mail.
0: Anyway, <laughs> please uh, come help us set up next week. Thank you. Um, it's agape love. It's just. It's just a giving love, and this is something that this is the standard. And I think before we talk about uh, what we want, the rest of the stuff we want to talk about today, we have to be honest about the standard. We have to be honest about what God is looking for when He's when He's looking at marriages. He's looking for agape love, and this is especially found in in, in the next passage, the preceding verses uh, there in Ephesians. We're going to put those up on the screen. But Ephesians chapter five, um, I think it's starting at verse um, seventeen, I believe. Yeah, yeah, verse seventeen. Um, It says, therefore, do not be unwise. And this is before the wives submit your husbands and husbands love your wives part. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Figure out what God wants. Figure out what he likes. And do not be drunk with wine, in which is uh, dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. That's key. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the, this is the key verse right here, verse 21. Submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. And so we believe that, that if if this is, this is the goal of marriage, is that we should submit to one another. That we should, in the fear of the Lord, that we should bring each other closer to Christ, and we should submit to one another, and we should have this kind of agape love. Um... There has to be a source of that love. So where does this love come from? And this love can only come from God. Um, this culture is not going to teach you how to agape love. This, this, probably uh, your past experiences haven't taught you how to do that. This. this kind of love is the kind of love that God has. And it's the kind of love that God gives.
1: Yeah, because without him, we, we go to selfishness. When I lived in Colorado... A perfect kind of example for this, for me, is in Colorado, we had days called pow-pow days. Anybody? Any snowboarders or skiers out there? The Texans were always just people we mocked in Colorado. I'm sorry, because when it was a powder day, you all freaked out and didn't want to go in it. But I'm talking about, like, snow up to your mid-thigh, where it's just soft powder snow. And if you lean back really far on your board, you just cruise down that mountain, and it's the best feeling ever. So on a powder day, me and my friends would have a rule that it's powder day rule. And that means that if you fall for any reason behind the group, you get left. And if you can't keep up on a powder day, you you don't keep up. Like it's a known rule. If your binding breaks, sorry about your luck, but we're going on. If you fall over, if you got stuck in a tree well, we might come back for you because that is a death sentence, so we might come back for you. But apart from that, you're on your own, and you're going to have to find your way down. We might tell the lifty at the lift, you know, hey, there's a guy up there struggling. Go help him. But apart from that, you'd be on your own, finding your own way down. And I obeyed the rule. Like, there was a time that I had cracked a rib. I've never injured myself so many times that when I worked on the mountain, so I had cracked a rib um, in a big powder day. I'd taken a big fall. And so I had had to wait six weeks to go out snowboarding again and watch my friends snowboarding and... So I got myself up on my board, and I got up to the top of the mountain, and I tried to snowboard, and I tried to turn, and my rib was not having it. It wouldn't let me turn. It was just so sore. So I sat down, and my friend was with me. He's like, I'm going to have to leave you. I said, I know. Go. Go. <laughs> it's a powder day. It's powder day rules. But that, to me, is the epitome of selfishness. That's the epitome. I look back on it now, and I'm like, oh, we were so selfish. But if I took any of you to the mountain and it was a powder day, the same rules would apply. I'm sorry that
0: I can be all right with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and our, our, our culture is, is, is surrounded with this. And we naturally... The, the thing about it is it doesn't come from the culture. It doesn't come from MTV or the internet. It comes from within. That's what It's what Jesus said. Jesus said all this stuff, lust, envy, all the issues of the heart, they come from the heart. All of the, the selfishness comes from within because... Uh, when God created us, we were perfect, we were holy, but then when we sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, that really created the snowball effect that, 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 that all of humanity was plunged into what theologians call the fall, the fall of man. And so when you were born, you were born with a propensity to sin. You were born with an inkling to sin. It was, it was, it's what feels natural. To us, what's what feels normal to us? Selfishness feels right and it feels uh, justified. We don't, we, you know, you don't have to teach a child how to be selfish. Um, children just got it down pat really good. The first word my kids learned was mine, right? Mine. And I said That's it like weird. that mine it's like mine that's mine that's mine and i'm like none of this is yours it's all mine you know i bought it what are you talking about mine 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 like everything is there you know and the next thing like as they grow suddenly they have sides of the car have you noticed that like this is my side of the car and it's like how is that your side of the car like Did you pay for that side of the car? Are you, are you, did you you get gas for that side of the car? How about insurance? Is all state, no, that's your side of the car because we need to let them know here. I'm paying way too much of my premiums, you know. I mean, you know, like like a but, but but it's selfishness it just just comes out and it's like it's like this is my side of the car, that's your side of the car. We're gonna draw a line here, and you can't cross my side, and I can't cross on your side, and and it's just very natural. It's kind of laughable when it comes to the kids, but then adults start doing it. And this this is my day off, and this is my time to do that, and this is your time. And this is my and we we draw lines, and those lines are not based in agape. They're not based in how can I serve you. They're based in, I want to make sure I get mine. What is mine? And then we'll see about, you know, you go ahead and make sure you get what is yours. And, and this is called selfishness. This is called trying to gather. This is called trying to, to, to keep for yourself. And this is not of God. (laughs) And not only is it not of God, it's not good for you. Have you ever thought about that? Sometimes I think we come to church and we're like, yeah, I shouldn't be selfish. Okay, I'm trying not to be. And it's like, but we don't understand that the heart of God is for you. That selfishness actually never makes you happy. That's why, that's why appetites, like, like appetites always grow. Have you, have, have, have you ever noticed that? It's like, um, I can notice like um, uh, back, back in January, like we did a 21-day fast uh, a lot of us here at the church did. And fasting is where you don't eat, like for 21 days. And so many of us fasted different things. I fasted like just about everything that I like to eat. <laughs> so, so I really didn't eat much. I was kind of like a squirrel. It was like fruit and nuts, you know. That's like what I was nibbling on all the time. And, uh, uh, you know, I lost like, I don't know, 10 pounds or something. And um, it's one of those things where it's like you notice, it's like, you know, like a little pile of nuts would fill me up. Right, like like after the twenty one days, I, I, like my lunch would be a little pile of like nuts, and it's it's so funny because I'm more of a pizza ice cream kind of guy, um, like literally every day, um, and so yeah, you can attest to that, mm-hmm. and so but you notice your appetite shrinks when you don't feed yourself much, your appetite goes down, but when you feed yourself a lot, your your appetite goes up, and your stomach actually enlarges so that what what used to fill you up doesn't fill you up anymore. Um, and, and, and the portions continually get bigger and, and the American, uh, eating out experience is proof of that, especially cheesecake factory. Good Lord. Like a salad is like enough. Like you could lose some bunnies, rabbits in that salad. Like it's huge. It's like nobody needs this much food, but, but the thing is we do as, as, as we need a little more then we need a little more to feel full and appetites are always expanding. And and this is why selfishness doesn't work, because it never satisfies you, because you're just trying to satisfy your appetite for whatever it might be. Whatever addiction or, 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 or whatever good thing it might be, you just keep constantly growing. That's why the solution is not to get more. The solution to fulfillment is to give more. And this... Comes from God because this is not something that is natural for us, and in fact, it starts with receiving the agape love of God. It starts with receiving God Himself. There is a hole inside your heart that's a God-sized hole; it's massive. And as long as you're trying to fill it with with things, and even and even with your spouse, this is this is important for, for those of you who are not married to understand that your spouse will not fulfill you. They won't fill you full. They won't fill that hole you for don't you completely. Now. <laughs> she's being sarcastic um i i just had to clue them in Yeah, uh-huh. I think they missed it. They missed it. um no 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 it they, they doesn't like uh, another person another person cannot fulfill you another person cannot complete you
1: yeah and for me when I, um, I had never been a girl that was desperate to have children and to be the homemaker and all of that sort of stuff. I started in full-time ministry when I was um, 18 years old, and I loved being in full-time ministry. I always thought I would get a, a man who would um, be the guy that stays at home. I, I really wanted to grow my children on the windowsill in little pots and repot them every month. That was just my plan. You know? And, it's kind of
0: spacey. Yeah, kind of futuristic. Uh-huh, but
1: I'm an optimist, so don't worry. And, um, and when it came down to it, and we had our first child, Madden, I really struggled to be a stay-at-home mum. I struggled to feel fulfilled in that. I got bored really easily. It was just me and a little baby, and there's only so much goo-garring you can do. And then they go to sleep for two hours, and what do you do with yourself at home all alone? And so um, I really struggled. And when I was pregnant with our second child, Micah, we were doing a Bible study, a Bethnal Bible study, And God showed me that I found a lot of my fulfillment in fun. Um, You know, I had been a snowboarder, a rock climber, a mountain biker. uh, In ministry was really fun for me. All of these things were high fun activities for me. And being home alone with a little baby apparently was not a high fun activity for me. If I'd had three other mummies with me, that would have been great. But all by myself. So um, God had to teach me that... I needed to find my satisfaction or my fulfillment in him and not in the fun. And so, since he's been taking me on that journey, I'm able to have a completely different relationship with the mundane tasks in life, or what I consider mundane. Not everybody considers them mundane. Um, but, yeah, it's a completely different relationship with it.
0: Yeah, and it's true. It may come as a, shock, as a shock to most probably everybody in here, but I am not, like, the world's most fun person. Um <laughs> I'm not like a ball of laughs really. Um I'm not the life of the party. I'm not I'm not a whole lot of fun. I'm you know, I'm like, let's go to Starbucks and relax. I'm a relaxer. That's what I am. That's fun to me. It's fun to just chill, relax, do nothing. If I if if I had a perfect Saturday, it would be like in bed the whole day. That's my Saturday. Hers is like snowboarding and going and doing <laughs> the other stuff that makes you sweat and and I'm like, oh, that doesn't sound like fun. <laughs> so, um, so right off the bat, you know, I believe that 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 she had she figured out that I was not going to like fulfill that that fun a lot it, of that fun aspect. It
1: was, that, but, there was strategy on my part because if we ever go to the mountain, guess who will be fine with staying
0: with the kids in the hotel room. We're gonna fun. be getting hot chocolate, and and yeah.
1: It was strategic, honey. Okay. I picked you because you
0: were dull. No, just kidding. That ain't right. That ain't, that, I, didn't, I didn't say that. I just said I wasn't. All right, well, couch is getting a bit small, isn't it? you got a bigger couch blooming. Just kidding, just kidding. But the truth, the truth is you have to find your fulfillment in God have to find your fulfillment of God. Otherwise, you'll always be complaining that your spouse doesn't love you enough, that your spouse doesn't support you enough, that your spouse isn't fun enough, that your spouse, you know, isn't enough because your spouse is not enough to fulfill you, to complete you. Only God is enough to fill the God-sized hole in your life and in your heart. And so first and foremost, that agape love that we're talking about, you have to receive it, and you have to find your fulfillment in receiving love from God, receiving the fact that He is for you, receiving the fact that He believes in you, receiving the fact that He supports you, receiving the fact that, that He has a plan for your life, receiving the fact that, that He knows how—because like, like, for her, she was, she was looking for fun, for, but she wasn't really looking for fun, she was looking for the satisfaction— that came always came from fun, mm-hmm. and so we often assign things, and but we're not. It's not really about the thing; it's about satisfaction. Yeah. Like that's really what we're looking for, and that is what Jesus offers: satisfaction to every soul.
1: Yeah, because when our satisfaction is not in God, when things go wrong in our life, we um, we can't we can't bounce back. We can't handle it because we when our source of fulfillment is taken mm-hmm. away, we get depressed. We mm-hmm. get anxious. We get Um, You know, we don't have a source anymore. That was our source of feeling healthy and feeling well. Um, A good quote in the book that we've been reading, The Meaning of Marriage, says, We must have a sense of being loved so deeply that when we are wronged, we are able to forgive. It's that well that is so deep in God that it never runs out. So if my source is God, then I'm always going to know I'm loved deeply. I'm always going to have that ability to draw from Him yeah. To uh, forgive and to keep giving when I need to give.
0: It's true because marriage is—you're going to have conflicts. Surprise! Um, you're going to have conflicts. You're going to you're going to butt heads. You're going to have issues that 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 arise. And and really, you know, we 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 talk about mutual repentance, mm. mutual forgiveness. It's like it's 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 an every it's almost everyday thing. There's a constant stream of of little things that she does that could offend me and little things I'm sure that I do that could offend you and 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 hurt you. But when you, as as Keller says, when you have such a, a knowing of being deeply loved, it enables you to look over some of those little things and even big things. Um, I mean, I've, I've sat across across the room from people who've, who've gone through much bigger things than I've ever gone through. I mean, uh, one guy I talked to, his wife had had multiple affairs, multiple different people. And this was the third or fourth, this was the fourth one. And he was just in tears. And, and uh, you know, I said, man, nobody's going to blame you for whatever you choose to do. But uh, let me just tell you, God can restore even this marriage. Yeah. Like, you know, if you, if, 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 if and so, and, 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 and so I said, I'll be happy to meet with you every week. And so we began meeting and we didn't really even talk about marriage. We just talked about God. Because when God fills that, that hole in your heart, you, you have so much more grace for other people. Mm-hmm. And through our meetings together, God did restore, first of all, restored him. First of all, restored him. He he, he he had been holding some things against God, and he didn't even realize it. And so first of all, God restored him, and he began receiving the love of God. And after he received the love of God, then he was able to extend that to his wife, and, mm-hmm. and they were able to work on it together. And... And and through the it's not just a month or a, or a year but I mean it's years of having to let things go and change and 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 forgive honestly forgive and forgive and forgive and God's enabled them to do that and their marriage is stronger now than ever before and so uh, as as you as you grow first of all there are going to be things that change about your marriage uh, it's not going to be, it, it's not going to be a honeymoon all the time um, but also there are going to be things that offend you and things that the other person does that actually hurt you. And when you're filled with the love of God, you're able to forgive. You're able to let, let go, which is just say, you know what? We're just going to wipe the slate clean, and we're going to start over. And uh, we believe that God is able to do that. Marriage is an institution created by God. And this makes it different um, than any uh, other institution, than most other institutions on the planet. For instance, the school system is an institution. It's a good institution. It's a good idea that kids should be educated. But that's a man-made institution. And so man-made institutions are built, first of all, on man rules, on, on man hierarchy and man authority. And and, and that's that's fine. That's, that is what it is. But a marriage is actually it's a God-made institution, which means it's built on God rules. So uh, it'll never work unless we begin to emulate God. So when we receive his agape love, and then we give that agape love out um, to each other. In fact, um, you know, there, there, there is a doctrine uh, within uh, Christianity uh, known as the Godhead, uh, or, or the, the triune nature of God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and the community of, of God, like with himself. And we see this really clearly just displayed uh, on the cross and especially the night before Jesus went to the cross, he said, he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. That's what Jesus said. He didn't, Jesus didn't want to go to the cross, by the way. <laughs> he didn't want to die uh, a gruesome, horrible death for us. It was his Father that wanted him to do it. And he said, he said, I have a will that we would find some other way to save people, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And when, and, and when Jesus hung on the cross... He wasn't doing something new. He wasn't doing something that he that he had never done before. Instead, he was simply showing the the the, 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 the self-giving nature of God. That God naturally uh, shares within himself this deference, this submitting to one another, as it says in Ephesians. Submit to one another. God naturally practices that. He's naturally self-giving. And then that's why it's no wonder that when we see him on the cross, he's dying actually for us. So he's giving of himself in that regard. He's teaching us how to live in this self-giving relationship. And so marriage will never work if it's a self-taking relationship. Uh, relationship it only works when it emulates the god who created it but not only is god the one who created it but god god made institutions are also supported by god they are given the power from god so that it's not just up to you to try to make your marriage better or to try to submit to one another try to get these things right it's actually it's actually as found in ephesians five there it says be filled with the holy spirit that it is the power of the Holy Spirit that can come in you and fill you. And it's interesting, he says, don't be drunk with wine. Like, why in the world would you, like, why would you put that in there? Uh, as, as if it's kind of similar. And I, I think he's, he's making a parallel that in wine, wine changes the way you think. <laughs> when you've been drinking too much of it. Uh, in the same way, being filled with the Spirit changes the way you think. Yeah. When, you're, when you're filled too much with, with too much of God. It starts changing the way you think. It starts changing the way you behave. You don't have to work anything up. You don't have to, 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 to learn new uh, new to-do lists. You simply are filled with the Holy Spirit, and suddenly you see things differently. You see her differently.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've experienced that in parenting especially. Um, you know when you've got little kids, and maybe they're squabbling between each other, and you're just like at your what's end. You're like, I'm
0: losing my patience right
1: now. So God has been teaching me over the last few years um, about right in that moment, saying to my children, being honest with my children, and I say to my kids, you know what, babies? Mommy needs to go and spend time with God right now because I've run out of my patience. My patience is gone, but I know God has got patience he can give me, so I'm going to go and get filled up with his patience. I'll be right back. And so I take myself out of the situation Or I'll pray there, right there with them, whatever it is. But I want them to know the process that's going on, that my resources are done. But I know my father has got unlimited resources. And I ask for his patience. And I say, Lord, give me patience right now so I can parent these children in a way that's pleasing to you. And I do that in front of them. And then I come back. And every single time, his grace is sufficient. And he lets me see the situation in a whole other way. He lets me um, have patience in a situation that I wouldn't live without him.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this is this is real life. It's not just church talk. I mean, we literally talk to God during the week. <laughs> and he literally helps us. Like otherwise we can't like marriage is impossible without that. I don't know what people do. I don't I don't know how you how you stay in that agape level. You really can't. You I think what happens is you degrade down to just being fellow, to just being friends. And your friends and then, if that ever breaks down, then you're just practicing eros occasionally, uh, you know, erotic kind of love. And then, when that breaks down, then you got nothing. You have nothing. And so, and so, what we what, what we we want is we want a bunch of couples and married people and singles who know how to agape, yeah. who who practice this not because they're smart or strong or anything like that, but because they are relying on a God who is there for them every step of the way. Uh, one one way that I've seen. Uh, God's agape love helped me out, is through uh, these things that we've been talking about, confrontations. Um, and we we kind of had a rule early on that we would never um, be offended at the other person without checking with them first. <laughs> so it's not like we'll never be mad at the other person, but like if she says something or I say something, we always say, what exactly did you mean by that? Well,
1: you got to phrase it right so you don't give the defenses up. Like if Harry has said something to me, I'll say, "Hey baby, this is what I just heard from that message. You're fat, or something." and I never hear that from what? him. But I'm just doing the, I'm doing the thing that everyone else can hear. It's all I'm right, dull, right. and I call her all fat. All right. This is yeah. No, but the nice. thing is, yeah, I, I'm saying person A might have said, hey, oh, "Perfect example. Perfect example. Oh, perfect example." We had just
0: got married, okay, and we were driving in the car, oh, and yes, we stopped at yes. Burger King. Stopped at Burger King, and um. I am a slow eater. I just know that about myself. I'm comfortable with that. <laughs> it's
1: the relaxed side of me. Yeah,
0: I'm I'm slow. I'm I'm not just a, I'm slow in a lot of things actually. <laughs> <laughs> I am I, I got two speeds, slow and slower, right? And if you push me then I just I don't know, I go even slower. It's just it's just this is my nature. I don't I don't know how that works, but I I I'm, I'm slow in eating. I was always the last last kid in the cafeteria. And it's not because I was busy talking, it's just I I enjoy my food. All right, I taste it. This is good. And so, you know, I'm driving and I get my burger and I'm 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 unwrapping the burger, you know, and uh just kind of getting it ready. And I go to take a bite and I look over at her and she's done. <laughs> not done unwrapping, done eating.
1: I have two seats, fast and fast. Food.
0: Yeah. And I'm like did you, did you, did, you already, did you already eat that? And she's like, yeah, was like, that was fast. It's like, wow, you should, like, you know, time that at some point And, you know, get his Book of Records or something, did you even taste that? So I'm just kind of, you know, I mean, I was impressed. And she just kind of, like, clammed up. She just, like, got real quiet. And I'm like, how about them cowboys? <laughs> What, uh, what do you say? And she's not really responding, and so we're try, We drove for a couple of hours that night. And they, I noticed she was getting quieter and quieter and quieter. So finally I was like, you know what's going on? And so she, she went on to explain to me about her eating fast. Apparently, my comment, uh, I accidentally stepped on a landmine. I didn't even know I stepped on. Uh, my,
1: when I was growing up, my dad had told me that I spoke too fast and ate too fast. And it was something that he told me was wrong and I needed to stop. I needed to slow down the way I ate and I needed to slow down the way I talked. And so I, unbeknownst to me, I don't know, I still had a hurt there, but I obviously still had Mm. a hurt there. And so the message I had heard from Harry, not that he was impressed that I had eaten it so fast, but that I was fundamentally wrong in what I had done.
0: Mm. Yeah, and so it's so important to not just receive that message and be like, oh, he thinks, you know, I'm bad at life. Because I eat fast, but it's important to say, okay, when you said I was eating fast, you know, what did you mean by that? Um, it's important to to, to to stop that because oftentimes there are little landmines like that. Yeah, uh, I'm sure her dad didn't mean anything by it either when she was little, but it's just this thing that happened when she was little that just created a hurt in her in her heart, and then I just said, wow, you eat fast, and boom, suddenly you know, uh, there's this big explosion. Um, so you're gonna have landmines, you're going to have hurts, you're going to have woundedness. Woundedness actually enhances um, selfishness because we try to guard against that. We, try to, we don't want to get hurt again. And, 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 and what, we, what we found is that before, before we take an offense, we always check the other person. And really before we, we talk about stuff in terms of, okay, I'm definitely offended at you, I'm mad at you because of this or that. Before, before we, we talk to her, before I talk to her, I always talk to, to God. I always talk to jesus because if the goal of, of of christian marriage is that we should submit one to another that we should learn how to do that uh, and really there um it, it, in, in the passage it actually says that christ loved the church in order to make her holy and so that's really the goal of marriage is that we should become better that we should become more holy we should become more like jesus um, if that's the goal then when I am trying to help her be better, if I'm like, you know, telling her that she did something, that I feel like she did something wrong. Um, if I'm going to try to help her be better, what I'm doing is I'm joining with Jesus on a mission that he's been on for 31 years. 31. Well done. <laughs> he's been working on like, that's his mission in, 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 in her life. That's his mission in my life that he's trying to make me holy. And so, whenever she sees something wrong in me and she confronts me about that, she needs to talk to Jesus first because Jesus is trying to do the same thing.
1: And he'll change the way that we look at it, just like we were talking about before, so that when I challenge him or when he challenges me, it's not condemnation that I bring, it's not blaming, it's not you, are the worst person in the world, you little know, snail. It's, um, I don't know where they come from. They're just up here and they come out.
0: But <laughs> There's no filter. There's no filter. I wonder what word was coming. Snail. Nice. Snail. Nice. But instead I come with conviction. And I come with God's
1: grace as well. He does it to me.
0: Yeah, and that's something that, that as I was growing up, my mom always, my mom and dad always told me, uh, if you're 1% wrong, then you're wrong. Any kind of confrontation. I had a brother three years younger than me. He's the complete opposite of me. And that always seems to happen in families, and so we had a lot of opportunities to to clash. And my parents always said, "Okay, when you're clashing, remember that if you're one percent wrong, you're still wrong because we always want to focus on the ninety nine percent wrong that, that he or she is. And like, if they just need, they just fix that, then I wouldn't be my one percent, right? Like, my one percent is the direct." result of their 99, you know? They need to fix their 99. But this is why it says submit one to another. That we should repent one to another. That we don't just come into conflict, we don't just come into these fights, because you are going to have fights. We don't just come into fights looking to get the other person to be the way I think they should be. But rather we say, that's why we go to God first, and He shows me, Harry, you're actually like 15 Nearly sixteen percent wrong in this one, you know. There was there was definite, you know. And so first, I repent of whatever wrong I am, of whatever wrong I was, whatever wrong I have been, and 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 that allows that allows me to be able to approach her, and allows us to approach each other not from a, I want you to be like me, because the truth is sometimes people are annoying. Well, it's a church. You got to tell the truth in the church. Shame the devil. Sometimes people are are annoying. Like like you know like 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 there'll be a guy in the far right hand lane and he wants to turn left. It's like why did you get all the way up to the light on the far right hand lane and then decide I have to go left? And so instead of going down and turning around that street and then turning right, they'll turn their blinker on and they'll just slowly make their way across all you know four lanes of traffic like I have to do this I can't do anything else I just have to I have to go that way and I'm behind them going just like people are annoying sometimes but the truth is not all annoyances mean that they should change sometimes when somebody's annoying you there's a reason why you're getting annoyed and you need to check with Jesus as to why that is because Jesus even annoyed people and he was perfect I mean, he did. The problem is the people he annoyed never thought that they were wrong. No, we can't. No, he's he's messed up, man. That guy, Jesus, son of God, dude. He is. He's messed up. Us, we're right. We're definitely right. Absolutely 100%. Totally right. They didn't allow the annoyances to change them or challenge them. and Say, wait a minute. maybe, Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's something wrong in me didn't allow that. And so the secret, I think, to to living this kind of agape life, to living this kind of agape marriage, is to first always go to God. Allow Him to pour His love in you. Allow Him to challenge you. Allow Him to change you into the person that He's called you to be. Would you bow your head with me right now? We're just going to close in prayer. And I, I just feel like God's speaking to some people today about that love, that the first step is to receive first step is to receive the love of God. To know that you're loved so deeply. To know that you are accepted so freely. And obviously, you know, to admit that, man, I'm I'm selfish. I'm messed up. I'm probably more messed up than I ever thought I was, but I'm more loved than I ever thought I was. And that is the gospel. I mean, that is the the, the transformation power of Christ that, that he brings in this realization, oh my goodness, I need to change. But then at the same time, wow, I'm still loved. I'm still pursued by him. And he is going to give me the power to do everything that he's called me to, to do and to be. And so that's the offer. That's the offer today. And if you'd like to receive that offer of salvation, I'd love you. to pray a prayer with you and Maybe you've prayed it before, maybe you haven't, but we always give this, this opportunity that if you'd like to pray with us, just raise your hand, just put your hand up and so that we can see it. Like, yeah, sometimes it just takes that, that boldness. Little guy raising his hand, that's awesome. Anyone else want to receive the love of Jesus today? We'd love to walk you through that.